Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We're drawing towards the end of our look at the letter that Paul wrote to Titus. And uh, chapter three is all about doing what is good, Colin. And uh, we're picking it up, I think, just about verse five, the middle of verse five. Middle of verse five. Oh, now, this is wonderful um, and helps us to understand what it really means to be saved, how we are saved. Um, you know, that used to be the thing people asked of, of others, have you been saved? And uh, it's something you don't hear all that often these days because I don't think people understand what it means to be saved. But here is a wonderful description of the process of salvation. He saved us, that is, God saved us, uh, through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Now, let's unpack that and see what it means. The scripture is clear that salvation is a process. He has saved us, he continues to save us, and on the day of judgment, he will save us. So we have nothing to fear for our eternal destiny. We will be saved because we have been saved. Now, you needn't get confused about this. What, in what way has he already saved us? Well, he's brought us out of worldliness, out of the dominion of darkness where Satan has his rule and realm. He has brought us out of sin, out of disobedience to God. He has brought us out of being in a non-relationship with God, separated from God. And he's brought us into relationship, into God's kingdom, into an entirely new life. And he did this through the washing of rebirth. Now, what does that mean? He did it because we have been born again. It is impossible for a Christian to be a Christian unless he has been born again. How do you get born again? The scripture is very, very clear. Paul says when he's writing to the Ephesians, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance to come. You can only be born again through, first of all, hearing the gospel, hearing the revelation of truth, and turning to God with repentance, which means you ask him to forgive all your sins so that he can cleanse you and save you from, from the consequences of your sin, which is eternal separation from God. The second part of repentance is that you give your life, you surrender your life, you acknowledge that Jesus has bought you with the blood of Jesus, uh, with his own blood. You belong to God. He is your Father. He is your Lord. You are his property. You surrender into his hands. Uh, like Paul says, I am not my own. I was bought with a price. So repentance is being forgiven, surrendering your heart, your life, your body even, to God. And then believing. Jesus said, the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. So you believe what Jesus has done for you on the cross. You believe that he took your punishment, the punishment you deserve for sin, when he died upon the cross, so that you, instead of being punished for your sin, can be forgiven for all your sins. Now, water baptism, 
when a believer goes down into the water and is submerged in the water of baptism, is the, is the act which, if you like, declares that this person has turned away from the life of the world, has turned to God with repentance, has yielded and surrendered his life to God and believes in Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. So he goes down, his, it's like a, uh, a symbolic drowning dead of the old life. So the old has gone and the new has come. He comes up out of the waters of baptism as a new creation, a new person with a new life. Now, of course, the repentance and faith have to precede that biblically. Uh, it's not something that can happen to babies by just pouring water over their head. They're not born again like that. But you're born again, the scripture says, by hearing the revelation of truth, by turning to God with repentance and faith, and then receiving this washing of rebirth. And then, Paul says, and by renewing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you see, he identified with our need when at, right at the beginning of his ministry, he went down to the River Jordan and was baptized by John. He went into the water of baptism. He was really identifying totally with us in our condition so that we can now be totally identified with him in his condition. We can be seated in, with him in heavenly places. Uh, but it was when he came up out of the water that as he was praying, the Holy Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit didn't come upon him in the, water of baptism, in, in the waters of baptism. And the Holy Spirit is not given in the water of baptism. That's very important to understand from a biblical point of view. But Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And when we're baptized in water, we're baptized into Christ. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're being baptized by Christ. So we go through these waters of rebirth, and then the next pro stage of the process is the Holy Spirit comes upon us. God imparts to us the Holy Spirit, and he, he wants to fill us, to baptize us, to submerge us, not only in water, but to submerge us in the Holy Spirit of God, to drench us through and through with the Holy Spirit, whom Paul says he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So we're baptized into Jesus Christ, and then the Holy Spirit is poured out generously upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. And then Paul says, so that having been justified by his grace, having been made acceptable, totally acceptable and righteous, right in God's sight, brought into right relationship with him through the gracious work that, that Jesus Christ has done for us in, in, and in us, we might become heirs, Paul says, having the hope of eternal life. We become sons of God and co-heirs with Christ. We inherit eternal life. We receive that life now because Jesus said, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me um, has eternal life. He will not be condemned but has already passed from death to life. That, Jesus says, is the work of faith. That's why a person has to believe for himself before he can be truly born again. So we see this whole process here 
the turning to God with repentance and faith and response to hearing the gospel, that washing of rebirth in the water of baptism. We, we see the Holy Spirit come being poured out upon us generously through Jesus, that now we know we have been totally accepted by the grace of God. We can stand righteous before the throne of God. We are heirs with Jesus Christ, and we have this hope of eternal life that death for us will not be an end, it will not be a time of condemnation, but will be a liberation into the greater workings of God. It may be, Colin, that people, some people are listening to you who say, well, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, I believe that I have been reborn, you know, spiritually reborn, but I haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, are they a Christian unless they've been filled with the Holy Spirit or not? Well, if a person is born again, he's a Christian because he's born again of the Spirit. So uh, you can only have a new birth by the Spirit of God. That is what makes you a Christian. What the New Testament teaches is if a person doesn't have the Holy Spirit at all, then he cannot be a Christian. Paul says that in Romans very clearly. Um, so it is receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit in new birth that makes you a Christian. But God wants us not only to receive the gift of the Spirit, not only a rebirth, but he wants us baptized in the Spirit. He wants us full of the Spirit. And he wants that not, not to be just an experience. He wants us to live lives filled with the Holy Spirit so that we are overflowing with the Spirit of God. Rivers of living water are being poured out of our lives. How can that happen to someone? Well, Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Everyone who asks receives. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if there's anybody who um, is listening who needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit, all you have to do is to ask. Of course, you, you need to really desire this gift. And don't just look for some kind of set experience because you, you hear that others have had a certain experience. You, you pray and you believe. If Jesus says everyone who asks receives, then that is true. You ask God and you believe. You believe that you have received. Jesus says whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. So ask him for the Holy Spirit. Believe that you have received the Holy Spirit. Begin to thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then pray that the life of the Holy Spirit will be manifested in your life in every way that he desires, through the fruit of the Spirit, through love, joy, peace, patience, and so on, through the gifts of the Spirit, through speaking in tongues, being able to prophesy, being able to hear clearly the voice of God, being able to um, see the works of faith and healings and even miracles in your life so that the, the Holy Spirit can be manifested in his fullness in your life. That's, that's the wonderful life, and that is, of course, the life that, that Jesus desires for every Christian. He doesn't want some to be gifted and others not. He wants every one of us to know the fullness of the life of the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to get ourselves into theological tangles about what we received then and what we receive now and all the rest of it. What God wants is for all of us, to all every Christian, to radiate the fullness of that life, all the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, and that's the important question to ask people. Is the power of God really operating in your life so that you know you can depend upon His power and not your weakness? 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 